There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. Tonight's episode, Third from the Sun, which originally aired in January on the 8th, 1960, was written by Rod Serling, and it was based on a short story, Third from the Sun, of the same name, by Richard Matheson. It was produced by Buck Houghton. And our main players are Fritz Weaver, who played William Serka, Joe Moross, who played Jerry Ridden, and Edward Andrews, who played Carling, and Laurie March, who played Eve, and Denise Alexander, who played Jody, and Janine Evans, who played Anne. And then we have William J. White, who played the guard. William Serka works for the nation's defense department. Working from the inside, Serka learns that the enemy will be launching an assault within 48 hours. Now, Circa's employers plan to treat and beat to the punch with missiles and bombs properly aimed and skillfully carried out. As a scientist, Circa knows that the result will be a holocaust. With his friend Jerry, the two use their positions as the, at the plant to plan an escape from the planet using an experimental aircraft designed to visit other worlds. They also make plans to bring along their wives and Circa's young daughter, Jody. Now having made contact with the inhabitants of an alien planet, they learned that their new hosts speak a language not too dissimilar to their own and welcome them as guests with open arms. Security officer Carling, however, suspects Circa and Jerry's intentions and shadows their every move. Now, with a little help, with a, uh, with a little luck, the men and their wives race to test to the test site and make contact with the guard they quietly paid. The five of them were surprised, however when the guard turns out to be Carling, armed with a gun. He forces the families back to the car, where Jody gives them the upper hand, and the men knock out their interpret assailant. Dodging bullets and fighting guards, the five board the craft and blast off before Armageddon begins. A few hours later, Jerry is making his calculations while Circa pilots the craft. 
Their destination is the brightest star on the right. A planet. Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. Twilight Zone was brought to you tonight by Kleenex Tissues. The only tissue that gives you so much. The soft, strong tissue with the Kleenex touch. The Twilight Zone is brought to you tonight by the perfect coffee on the modern scene. New Aroma Roast Sanka Coffee.
Serling adapted Richard Matheson's short story, Third from the Sun, which appears in Matheson's collection of the same name, retaining both the title and the basic plot. A neat little scientific inaccuracy crops up in this episode. At one point, Ross mentions that the distance from his planet to the Earth is 11 million miles. Considering the fact that Venus is our closest neighbor at 24,600,000 miles at its nearest, then either a number of astronomers or nearsighted or Serling just didn't do his homework. Now, in order to set the stage for the final twist, Richard L. Bear, or Beret, resorted to some petty, uh, pretty good uh, tricks and uses of the camera. Only a handful of shots were filmed straight on. Most were distorted, tilted, this way or that. And that wasn't all. He said, I shot every scene with an extremely wide angle lens Bray explains even on close-ups which are normally shot with a 75 millimeter or 100 millimeter lens I used a 28 millimeter now Buck Houghton elaborates he used wide angle lenses all the time on the theory of that if you're going to tell people in the end they weren't on earth you should have a particular feeling while you're getting there. You should have been a little restless or uncomfortable. And while Dick was a very straightforward sort of director, he'd have to have a big reason not to use an uh, eye-level camera. Now, he was shooting, uh, shooting up under tables and past uh, flashlights, to people's faces and all you know all that sort of thing which I thought was very clear of him it was an idea of his that I greatly applauded now in adapting uh, Richard Matheson's short story to teleplay Rod Serling named two of the characters after his daughters Jody and Anne additionally when Chris Weaver's character William Circo, Bill Circa, talks about his youth being restored in scrapbooks up in the attic. That's where Serling kept his scrapbooks. When Circa goes home early in the episode, weird music is playing on a phonograph or radio. The sunken cabinet, uh, its issues um, from doesn't reveal which. Now, another subtle clue the characters aren't on Earth. This was a French avant garde piece composed by Jacobs Larcy and entitled Teddy's Blues, presumably for his son Teddy Larcy, who is now a musician in his own right. Five years before Third from the Sun was filmed, Larcy, who was a composer and a pianist, and his wife uh, Yvonne, an organist, formed a musical group called Larcy Bouchette Sound Structures with brothers uh, Francis and Bernard Bessat, a sculptor and engineer, respectively, who created sound sculptures and invented musical instruments, including 
and uh, aluminum piano and inflatable guitar. Now, one of these was the Sistral Bassett, an instrument made of crystal rods that features prom uh, prominently in the piece in Third From the Sun. Now, in addition to Third From the Sun, uh, Larcy Bachet uh, performed concerts, provided music for Jean Cousseau's film Le Testament au Prix, and appeared in television shows including The Ed Sullivan Show. Twilight Zone, brought to you by Dual Filter Territon Cigarettes. The famous dual filter with activated charcoal brings through the great taste of Territon's fine tobacco. Jerry out of town. 
Isn't he uh, testing some sort of aircraft up north? No, he's back. He came back this morning. I told him we'd found them. You'll be there, Jody, won't you? He'd like to see you. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't. I've, uh, I've got a date. Maybe I could get in a little early. Break it, will you, Jody? I'd like you home tonight. Why, Dad, I can't... Oh, all right, Dad. You know, Jerry uh, has some very interesting stories. He has a fascinating job. He, he flies us. Bill. I just thought you might like to have some cards tonight. That's all. I thought it might take your mind off things. subterfuge now. It's too late for anything. It's coming. It's coming probably within 48 hours. Will it be bad? It'll be a holocaust. It will be hell. It will be the end of everything we know. People, places, ideas, everything. It will all be wiped out. In 48 hours? Maybe sooner. What can we do? Sit down on the bed a moment, Eve. Bill. I want to tell you something. Sit down. We're leaving. You and Jody and I and Jerry and Anne, we're leaving tonight. Leaving? Leaving for where? I can't tell you that. I can only tell you that sometime between midnight and one, we've got to be out of here and gone. And no one is to know. I mean no one. Not neighbors, not relatives, not even Jody. She's not to know. And we won't be able to tell her until we're already on our way. Dad? Jerry Ryden's down here. He'd like to talk to you. I'm coming down, Jody. What's it mean? Why is he here now? That's what I want to find out. You better tell some funny stories tonight, Jerry. I had to break a date for you. Evening, Jerry. I'm Bill. Well, then, you've come to tell me that you won't be able to make it for cards tonight. Are you kidding? It's high stakes tonight, because I've been very hot at cards the last couple of weeks. No, I, uh, I just dropped by to talk to you about that, uh... Your watch giving you trouble again? Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably that mainspring. Remember, Jerry, I told you it looked like it had some rust on it. Here, let me see it. Now, let's see what we can do. Bill, we've got to change our plan. Not yet, not yet. Wait a minute. Trouble, Jerry, right there. All right, tell me what's happened. I put a different guard on the ship on the 1 a.m. shift. The one I know, the one I paid, gets off at 11. And we have to leave before 11. It'll be a lot tougher. There are more men on the field then. More searchlights. It doesn't make any difference. We're only your relatives with permission to look at the new ship. That's what our credentials will show. And just the same. The fewer who know, the better. Does Anne know yet? Not everything. Only that we're in danger and we've got to get out. I didn't tell her where or when. What about Eve and Jody? Eve knows now. 
Jody will stay home tonight. I told you you were coming over. You and Anne to play cards. You can come around seven, can't you? Yeah. Does it, Jerry? Just a little mainspring problem. You uh, might want to have it checked by a jeweler in a month or so. I couldn't get all the rust out of it. Uh, thanks, Bill, very much. Tonight, new dry hair formula, Halo. The newly mild shampoo, specially prescribed for beautifying oil-robbed hair brings you the Twilight Zone. I know our destination now. Right there. How far? 11 million miles. 11 million miles. In a ship we don't even know, we'll leave the atmosphere. Now, whether or not its pilot can either take off or get you down in one piece. That's the risk, Bill. That's the risk we've been talking about for months now. It's a good risk when you consider the alternatives. Now, this place we're going to. It's populated, Bill. It has people on it. We've picked up radio waves, even some snatches of a language not dissimilar to ours. We've been able to decipher a lot of it. With a little help, a couple of breaks, and God. We might even make it there. Bill, Mr. Carling's here. Well, Stucker, little cards tonight, eh? Little cards, Carling. We're just about to cut into a cake. You care to join us? Well, thank you. Just a little lemonade for me. I was just telling your wife that she makes wonderful lemonade. Hot night, too. This is a night for a front porch or sleep, but nothing else. All right, you are. We'll be leaving in a couple of minutes. I've been up north testing an aircraft. I haven't had much sleep the last couple of weeks. As I, I know the aircraft. They say it's capable of leaving our atmosphere. Talk is it could go to another planet if the right man flew her. Not for a while yet. Needs a lot more testing. Oh. May I have a cigarette? The way I figure it, Mr. Sturka, you owe Ann and me a little money here. Marvelous scientist. Very bad card player. Oh, I wouldn't believe that. I would have guessed that Sturka here was a good gambler. I'd have guessed he'd gamble on most anything. Here we are. Lemonade, everyone? I'll cut the cake, Eve. You're a little nervous, Mrs. Sturkin. You're very nervous.
bit, according to this, Starker. We won't settle tonight. Uh, next week. Next week, we'll give you another chance. Next week? You do plan ahead. You plan way ahead. A week? A lot can happen in a week. A lot can happen in 48 hours. Well, I'll get on home now. I like to take a walk on warm evenings. Makes me sleep better. I'll see you at the door, Mr. Conway. Thank you. And I'll probably see you at the office tomorrow. Of course. Pretty night. Clear as a bell. Nothing but stars. You ever think, Starker, that there may be people on those stars, too? Maybe people just like us. That thought has crossed my mind. Ever think maybe you'd be happier on one of those than you are here? That thought has crossed my mind, too. Yeah. Yeah, I have no doubt. Third from the Sun was one of my favorite episodes of all time. It just had that uh, weirdness that I really uh, like within my Twilight Zone episodes. They had a calmness, yet had an unsettling, um, off, I don't know, something was just about this episode that I just always have loved, and maybe it was the music and one of my favorite things about this episode was was the um, atmospheric music within this episode, which really set the tone for the entire uh, episode itself. It was uh, it was eerie. It was just kind of like it put you out there. It made you felt as if you were on another planet, which is something we. Um, we get within this episode and it was called uh, actually uh, Teddy's Blues and I briefly talk about that now Serling's opening narration was some of his best which painted the greatest picture within the mind's eye just kind of like putting you into the mood of what the episode was going to be all about the the talking about the the warm evenings and the the front porches and it just shows uh, uh, William Circa at the beginning as he walks home and he finally gets to his front porch and he looks out as if for uh, the last time that he'll be looking out on the the 
sun on the planet, you know, on which they're on. And that just, uh, that just really sealed a lot of the feeling of the episode itself. And, um, and the director, he really wanted to nail that particular point down. And that was, um, a lot of this, the, uh, the music, the, the, the way everything was filmed from using what they usually would use, 75 millimeter or 100 millimeter. They went a different route. Uh, this time around, I think it was 25 millimeter, but it, there were just so many things that they did that was different within this episode and the way they filmed it to give you that uh, otherworldly feeling, which is something they definitely did, and they did that well. Now, Bill Sucker, played by uh, Fitz Weaver, was done extremely uh, well. He played every range of emotion from the beginning of the episode until the end, uh, well, and was very, very believable in the way he did it and how he went about uh, doing that and showing those uh, those range of emotions. And he was definitely a, a perfect uh, pick. He didn't overplay it. He played to the characters, um, his, his strengths um, and what he was feeling. And it was, uh, like I said, it was very very believable now the slight uh, camera tilt always kept the feeling of of uh, uneasiness throughout the episode which is something I noticed the uh, the Twilight Zone did on occasion and this was really something that I like to see because it really shows imagination uh, the creativity of all of those uh, involved and this was a time where they didn't have a lot of the uh, special effects or basically none of the special effects that we have now so they depended on practical effects which was uh, greatly uh, exaggerated throughout the entire uh, course of this episode now uh, uh, Carling he was a government stooge he played the forbidding villain in the background yeah, he was he was just great uh, constantly raising the tension with uh, every single moment that he stepped onto uh, the scene now the constant uh, ten- tenseness of this episode was was wonderful and if I could say anything about this particular um, uh, story, uh, this was a a thriller and a sci-fi episode all rolled in into one. There was never an un, um, underabundance of uh, thrills and and sci-fi throwbacks to uh, other things that were used and maybe in other episodes, but it was done in such a creative way. Like I've mentioned before, that. It just uh, it made it feel uh, as if it was something completely different. Now, overall, this was just a um, just a really solid episode. And and what do I mean by solid? It had all of those, you know. And I'm going to use tropes in a very positive way here. There were just certain things 
that the Twilight Zone did. It brought the drama, of course, it had the major twists, it had the characters, and they didn't overact as, and sometimes, in some of the episodes of the Twilight Zone, you could, you could get characters that would overact, and this wasn't done at all with this particular um, story, and as we know, it was based on uh, Richard Matheson's short story of the same name, and he pretty much kept a lot of the elements uh, the same from the, the, the plot to even the, the uh, title of the episode itself. So this was an episode that was really uh, well done. And every time I watch it, it's like I never get bored with it. And it's, it's, and this is basically a, a telltale sign of good storytelling because it doesn't matter how many times you watch this uh, episode and you dive into the story, you always feel like maybe something is going to change or something is on the horizon such as uh, uh, Bill's uh, Circa's youngest daughter or only daughter uh, mentioned Jody but she mentioned you know just something doesn't feel right you know everyone can tell that something is not quite right and you got that feeling but even with little nods to little things all over the uh, the television screen the uh, the set and I loved, uh, they had like little, uh, little Hawaiian voodoo dolls. And that was really a, um, or a statue rather on the, uh, on the, uh, fireplace mantle. Um, I think that it was a fireplace mantle, but it was, uh, something that would really, really, uh, played well, uh, with and for this, uh, episode. And I just can't dive, uh, deep enough into uh, what I liked about this episode because there were just so many things. Uh, but yeah, so those are really my initial thoughts upon uh, watching this episode. I prob This is probably one of the episodes that I've watched uh, hundreds of times over the years. And, um, and watching this again, just kind of like analyzing it, it was a, a really, uh, really good episode. And it was, and it was, different and every it feels like every time you watch this episode there's something a little bit different but different in in a good way so overall i give this episode a five out of five and i know i haven't really been reading the episodes but this is definitely a a, a top tier episode as i've mentioned uh in my uh, top tier episodes this is definitely on the top and of course that that uh that twist is, is just one for the ages. Twilight Zone, brought to you by Pell Mell Famous Cigarettes. Over, under, around, and through, Pell Mell travels pleasure to you. Mother, it's going to be all right, isn't it? 
contact? Yeah, that's him. Eve, flash the lights just once. Safe, please. Would you three ladies mind getting out? These two gentlemen and I have an engagement with the authorities. Suicide. Ahead lies a place called Earth. 
the third planet from the sun. And for William Sturker and the men and women with him, it's the eve of the beginning in the twilight zone. Here's an item we forgot. You see this? It holds a promise for anyone who smokes. It's Oasis. And as its name implies, it promises you the most refreshing, the softest taste of all. Try Oasis. I think you'll like it. Twilight Zone has been brought to you by Milk Wave Lilt, the new home permanent you mix with milk. The curls that start soft and stay lively. Rod Serling, the creator of Twilight Zone, will tell you about next week's story after this word from our alternate sponsor. And now, Mr. Serling. There's a Longfellow poem. I shot an arrow into the air, it fell to earth, I know not where. In our story next week, we shoot a spaceship into the air, and where it fell, only you and I will know. Starring will be Mr. Dewey Martin, Mr. Edward Benz. Next week, we promise you a most exciting journey into space. Don't miss the takeoff. Thank you and good night. sure to see the fun-filled family life of one of America's greatest entertainers, The Danny Thomas Show, Monday nights over most of these stations.